Well, good evening, Living Hope community, and for those of you that are, are joining us, um, we just want to once again welcome you again. So um, thank you so much for joining us, and I trust that you were able to um, celebrate with us uh, the Lord's Supper this evening, um, or breaking a bread or communion, whatever name you normally would use. And so, um, you know, we just want to give God praise and thanks as well. Um, uh, I know because my family is here, we normally would do that. Um, and I know sometimes um, people that are online would, um, you know, would want to be um, also be able to, those of you who haven't gone out to church or haven't been able to fellowship. And um, I trust that maybe you have taken some time to also celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper um, as the Bible speaks and encourage us to do so. So if you have your Bible this evening, I'd like to encourage you to take it and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And um, as you may notice over these past several weeks since the summer started, we have gone from Psalms, Ecclesiastes, we have gone into Joshua. And tonight we're going to explore a little in Isaiah. And I think um, we're going to stay with Isaiah for the next three weeks um, because this uh, message here is a three-part sermon that I'll be preparing and uh, that I'll be preaching. Um, tonight I'll just we be able to cover only part one and for the next two weeks I trust the Lord I will be able to cover the other two remaining parts. Um, as I was preparing um, I, I, I realized that I couldn't do uh, uh, this particular passage in one sitting, uh, one setting or in one sermon but we need to break it up because there's so much that we can um, draw from um, God's word um, especially in this book, um, in Isaiah chapter 6, there are so many different um, things that God has been uh, using the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah to speak to us. And uh, those are very relevant today. And I trust that the word will be a blessing to you and will also to encourage your hearts as well. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And um, as we look to the Lord uh, this evening, we're, we're going to read um, verse 1 all the way through verse 13. Um, so uh, before we do, let us look to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we want to acknowledge you again, Lord, for who you are, God, and Lord, for all that you have done for us. Lord, truly, we, we are so thankful, God, that without you, as your word says, that we can do nothing, absolutely nothing. We thank you, Lord, God, that you came and you gave your life as a ransom, as a purchase price for our sin, our salvation. And God, you offer this free gift of eternal life. You offer this free gift of salvation to each and every one of us, those who will come, those whom you will draw, those whom will come to faith. And so this evening we pray, Father, Lord, for those that don't know you, Father, will come to know you through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, as you minister to them through your word, God, whether they tune into this service here this evening, Lord, or, where whether, or wherever they are going to listen over the course of this week and maybe as long as the sermon is online, Father, we pray that they will come to know you. Whom to know is life eternal. Lord, for those that don't know you, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict them, their hearts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Bring them to such a knowledge of the truth, Father. 
Lord, I pray for those that are listening this evening, Lord, and has been walking with you all these many, many, many years, God. Each and every one of us uh, has experienced you in our own personal way. And I pray, God, for those that are struggling in their walk and in their relationship. God, I pray that you will step right into their, uh, their lives this evening and minister to them, God. Encourage their hearts, God. Lord, the things that are there in our lives, we pray this evening that you will remove them. And God, that your Holy Spirit will take control and mold us and fashion us, oh God, and make us more like unto you, Father. Make us earthen vessels that are fit for the Master's use, that are fit for your use this evening. And Lord, as we pray and as, as I title this message, Lord, as a reminder to us, Lord, send me, um, God, I pray that each and every one of us will hear not only the calling to come to faith, but hear that calling, oh God, to go, Father, as your word says, go um, in all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't have to go internationally. We don't have to go in places, oh God, where you don't want us to go, Father, right in our community, right in our home, right in the place where we work, God, we can be a witness and a testimony of who you are. We can be a light and a salt to those that are around us. And so I pray this evening that your word, oh God, will find an abiding place in every heart. And God, that the true God, that the work of your Holy Spirit will truly be at work in their lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and thanks. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain or with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then, I, then said I, Woe is me! For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, saying, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thy iniquities. Iniquity is taken away, and I sin purge. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I, here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the hearts of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their ears their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and, con and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet, in it shall be a tent, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a tree, as a tier three, and as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. 
This is God's word and we give thanks to God for his word. Amen. Several weeks ago, we look at the death of Moses in Deuteronomy um, 34, where God came on the scene and had to remind Joshua that Moses is dead and that, Mo Joshua, you will now be the new leader to lead my people into the promised land, fulfilling my promise to my people. God always, brothers and sisters, keep his promises, no matter how bad the situation may look. And you heard me say that many, many times over and over over the course of these past several weeks. This passage of scripture that we're, we're, we're reading here tonight serves as a reminder to us also that God is still in control. And there was never a time when God was not in control. Now, I remember when, when, when the president of Guyana, and I'm sure many of you know him, the late Lyndon Forbes, um, Samson Burnham, passed away on August the 6th, 1985. I was just a, a, a teenager then. And Burnham served uh, as prime minister for 16 years and then another five years as executive president of Guyana. His leadership lasted 21 years from 1964 to 1985 until his death. I remember his leadership was not something most Guyanese, if you allow me to say that, most Guyanese were happy with. Some admired him. Some admired him and some despised him. Some were happy that his rulership came to an end while others were saddened by it. The state of the nation was divided in 1985, people were wondering what would come next. The atmosphere, brothers and sisters, was, it was gloomy and dark. And you can smell the tension of fear among the Guyanese people. As a young boy, I did experience that. It was a time when no one was sure of how to move forward. It's like the world stood still for some while for others. It was the dawning of a new day. The end of, of a chapter, one chapter, and the beginning of a new for the Guyanese people. Now, why am I telling you all of this about Guyana? Because we are presented with the opening statement in this passage here from Isaiah chapter 6. That it was the year, it was the year that King Uzziah died. But what was so important about King Uzziah? Same thing like what was important about the president of Guyana. I'm not going to go in into, into, into the president of Guyana, but I'm going to tell you about this King Uzziah here this afternoon. The Bible says King Uzziah died, and we know that he died sometime in the year 1958 B.C., that is before Christ. You see, Uzziah started to reign at an, at an, at an early age of 16 years, as king over Jerusalem. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. 52 years. I mean, that is some people's lifetime. Some people grew up with him as, as, as a, uh, born into that, um, into that time when he was king and, and, and still knew him as an old, old man or old woman. But Second Chronicles would give us a sense of what it was like for Uzziah. Just, just an example, uh, Second Chronicles um, 26, I'm not sure if Ezra has this slide, and I'll read verse 1 through 5. Then all the people of Judah, of Judah took Uzziah when, 
who was 16 years old and made him king in the, ro in the room of his father Amaziah. Amaziah. He, he built Elot and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Josiah when he began to reign. The Bible says 16 years old was Josiah when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he, and he did, hear what, hear what the Bible says about Uzziah at, this, at 16 years in his 52 reign. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, which is another prophet, who had, who had understanding in the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God, God caused him to prosper. And Uzziah spent many, many years honoring God, walking before the Lord, do that which is right before God. Uzziah was one of the longest reigning king of Judea, of Judah, sorry. One of the long, longest reigning king. The Bible records also in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 15 that he did that which was right in the eyes of God. And as long as he sought the Lord and did that which was right or pleasing to God, God caused him to prosper. And we see the same thing in Second Chronicles chapter 28 as well, 26 and Second Kings. Uzziah was no ordinary king, brothers and sisters. He was, he was victorious in battle. He was a builder of towers. The first king who ever established uh, uh, and, 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 and put something like this in place he had he was an army general he knew everything about war and what it means to go against his enemy second chronicles 20 26 verse 14 gives us a glimpse of that and here what it says and Uzziah prepared for all the army here what he did he prepared shields he introduced shields and swords and spear and helmets and coats of mail, bows and stone for slingshot. He introduced some of these things in Jerusalem. He made machines. He invented by skillful men to be the towers and the corners to shoot arrow with great stones. It was Isaiah who introduced those things. And his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. That means he... He reigned in power with authority like Solomon. The Bible says that he dug wells and planted many vineyards. And his fame was known throughout the land. His fame was known throughout the land. But there is a but. But all his fame and popularity came to a tragic end. Now why is that so? Just like Solomon. Why? Because he allowed pride to fill his heart and became unfaithful to the Lord, to his God. He forget what it was. He forget that he was anointed king. And this is what happens when men usurp their authority, when men wants to, to, to just be something else than God called them to be. He forget that he was king, that he was anointed king over Judea, Judah. He was not consecrated to burn incense, that was the job of a priest. However, he wanted to burn incense into the temple, in the temple of God. And then God struck him down with leprosy. 
and then soon after, which led to his death. Second Chronicles verse 26 says, here, here, here would bring down his, his entire kingship and rulership. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were an 80, 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the son of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall not have no honor from the Lord your God. Then Uzziah became furious because he was king. Furious. He wanted to do the priest's job. The Bible said that he became furious and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out of his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the in incense altar. And Azariah, who was there that day, the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and there and on his forehead he was leprous so they thrust him out of that place. Indeed he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him down. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham his son was over king's house. Judging the people of the land. And this is what happens. Pride filled his heart. God prospered him. And then he allowed pride to enter in his heart. And wanted to do the priest's job. And God will never tolerate that. You see during the reign of King Uzziah. Judah, Judah as a nation had much to boast about their prosperity. And victory over their enemy. The nation of Judah and Israel had so much to boast about. Because 52 years they saw prosperity. They had victory over their enemies. But in due time, like their king, brothers and sisters, forget about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. They forsake the Lord and became rebellious and wicked. That's who they became. They became a rebellious and a wicked nation. They forgot that the true king was still on the throne. They forget the true God. They forget their true king, that he was still on the throne. And they put their trust in an earthly king who is now dead. An earthly king who is now dead. And the nation is now in shock. And they have lost because they have lost a great king. And brothers and sisters, let me just take a minute to say this. That we sometimes forget about God's sovereign rule over our lives. We sometimes forget about God's sovereign rule over our lives. And the one who is our ultimate source of security and protection and providence. We tend to forget about God when things are going well in our lives. When there is no need for God, we completely forget about Him. We have gone from putting, putting our trust in God and putting our trust in temporal things of this world. We sometimes allow pride like Isaiah to enter our hearts. And the nation of Israel. But hear what the Bible says. Hear what the great King Solomon says. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18 and 19. Pride, brothers and sisters. Pride goes before destruction. 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. Solomon says, better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You see the children of Israel over these 52 years enjoy the blessings of God and the favors of God as a nation. But fail to honor him as God. They fail to honor him as God, as their true king. As the one who is in control. As the one who has all the power and authority. And we sometimes become so blinded like the children of Israel. Unlike King Uzziah, fail to see him as their ultimate source of protection, provision, and security. But it is during this time, it was during this time, brothers and sisters, that Isaiah was in the tabernacle praying. And Isaiah had a vision of the living God. God opened the heavens and gave him a vision of who he is. He was able to see the very throne room of God which was a reminder to him that God was still on his throne. You see, as much as the nation of Israel was in mourning and was in desperation, they were desperate, they, they, there was like this gloominess over the sky, and people were depressed. God had to remind Isaiah that he was still in control and that he still rules and that he still reigns. You see, at the time Isaiah was in the temple praying, Israel, like I said, was in a state of mourning. You see, but as the, as the, sta- as the nation of, of, of Judah was in the, in, in, in the state of mourning, something else was happening in the world at that time. Something else was taking place in a smaller city that named that is that, that, that a city that was being formed and a city that was named Rome. Rome. Historians dated the origin of Rome as in April 24, 753. As much as the state of Israel was mourning, history, brothers and sisters, was in the making in some other place. God was still at work in other parts of the world. Rome will later become the superpower of the world and the nation responsible for the crucifixion, responsible for fulfilling God's plan for salvation for lost humanity. There would be the nation that would crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. They would be the one to put him on to death. So as much as the nation of Judah was in mourning, God was also at work in other places in the world because he was still in control, fulfilling and fulfilling his plan, making and bringing things together. So there are three things this evening here, brothers and sisters, that that Isaiah encountered with God that can help us surrender to God's sovereign rule over our lives and, and, and help us to walk in obedience to him and his word. So there are three things that I say we're going to look tonight. The vision of God, which is looking upward. The vision of self, which is looking inward. And the vision for the lost is looking outward. Now we're only going to touch on one thing there this tonight, which is looking upward, which is the vision of God. The next two weeks we're going to look at the vision of self, looking inward, and then the vision of the world, or for the lost, looking outward. So this week we are going to take some time and explore Isaiah chapter 6, which is part 1 of the part 3 message that we're going to look at. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, and I want you to take your Bible and read those passages, scriptures again. 
very slowly and, and just get a sense of what Isaiah is, is experiencing and seeing and the account that he is giving to us. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah the prophet knew of God, brothers and sisters, but never had an encounter with this living God. Isaiah chapter 6 gives us a clear picture of his encounter with this living God. It bears record of Isaiah commissioning and his prophetic calling of God upon his life. You see, knowing, knowing God and having a head knowledge of God is not the same as knowing God, brothers and sisters. It is only until we have experienced God in our lives, then we can surrender to his lordship. Then we can surrender to his authority. Then we can surrender to his calling. Then we can surrender to his leading. Then we can surrender to the God's call and God's direction in our lives. And we all need, we all need such encounter in our lives. We all need to see God for who he is. We need as brothers and sisters, we need as believers in Christ always to look up to God. So the question here this evening that I want to pause and ask you. How many of us can truly say that we have encountered God at some point in our lives? And not only that you can answer that part of the question, but the second part is, what does that encounter or that experience looks like? What does that encounter or experience looks like for you? Can you explain it? Can you tell someone it? Or have you done that? Have you ever shared that encounter or experience with your friends and with your family? Do they know about that, your story? Do they know about God's story in your life? Or are you silent about what God is doing in your life? You see, Isaiah served during the reign of Uzziah. Isaiah served during the reign of Jotham. Isaiah served during the reign of four other, four, a total of four kings over Judah. He prophesied from 19, seven, uh, sorry, 739 B.C. to 681. Isaiah was one of, one of the major prophets like Jeremiah. Ezekiel, Lamentation, and Daniel. See, major prophet means that their writings were, so, were much longer than the minor prophets like Hosea and Joel and Amos and all the others. There are 21 minor prophets. Minor means it doesn't mean that there is no importance. It means that their writing, their books that they wrote were very short. When you look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, they were long, very long. Their stories were, 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 were very long. And that's why they're considered major prophets. So Isaiah was at the place when King Isaiah died. But the name Isaiah also means salvation of Yahweh. See, Isaiah was sent to a nation who had turned their backs on the living God, worshiping idols and offered meaningless sacrifice in the temple of God. That it was the state and that was the nation. That was the people that God called Isaiah to go to. And God called him. And here's a glimpse of what this state of the nation looks like in Isaiah chapter 1. For those of you who have read it before in verse 13. Let me just read that to you. Hear what God said to the people of Israel. Bring no more vain ablations. Bring no more incest. 
Incense, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meetings. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hated. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear you. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil from your doings. From before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, said the Lord. Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wood. God is calling back his people into a right relationship with him. But Israel turned their back away from the true and living God. They rejected God as king. They rejected him as their sovereign rule because of the prosperity and worship images and idol. And that was the people that God says to uh, Isaiah, I'm calling you to go, to go to these people. But when you go and you preach, they will not hear you because I will harden their ears. ears. I will cause them to be blind. I will cause them to be deaf. I will harden their heart from not hearing the message of the gospel. They will not hear the true calling because I will punish them. And Isaiah, when you read the passage, you will hear in the, as I go through it. And Isaiah, Isaiah said to God, For how long, God, will you harden their heart? For how long are you going to blind them? For how long are you going to cause them to not to hear and not to see? And then the Bible says Isaiah saw what Isaiah saw when God opened his eyes. It was Isaiah the prophet, brothers and sisters, who provided us with a complete, complete prophetic list of, on, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Isaiah who, who also helped us to see God's plan for salvation from the announcement of the Christ coming, his virgin birth, his message of good news, his sacrifice, death, his return, and many other Christological text is found in the book of Isaiah. His message was a message of salvation, which is a salvation. God is my salvation. All of Isaiah's prophecies found their fulfillment, brothers and sisters. All his prophecies found their fulfillment in the New Testament. The birth, the life, the death, the burial resurrection of Jesus Christ, and even his return. But his return is yet in future. And, 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 and Isaiah chapter 1 gives us a glimpse of what that is. And it says there, I saw the Lord. When Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, what Isaiah saw, as the, what, what we know of, is, is, is called a theophany. Maybe that's a big word, but basically it simply means an outward external manifestation of the living God. It is a visible manifestation of the living God or the appearance of God. Like in the burning bush, 
You see the bush burn and you heard the voice of God. Like the pillar on the fire of clouds in Exodus. It was a visible manifestation of the living God. And Isaiah saw when he saw he had this vision of who God is. And there are several things in this passage here tonight that we can learn. There are several things in the Old Testament where we see, brothers and sisters, the manifestation of God. Moses and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, they all had a vision of who God is, this visible manifestation of God. And then later on, the Apostle John will be a record that Isaiah saw the risen Christ. In John chapter 12, Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. He saw the glory of the risen Christ. What Isaiah saw on that day was the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory, in all his splendor, in all beauty and in all majesty. God gave him a vision of what that looks like. And that's why you hear he bear records to say in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You see, the vision that Isaiah saw serves as a reminder to us today. We are reminded that God, brothers and sisters, is still active in the affairs of men. And we all need to get a vision of who God is. We all need to get a vision of who this living God is. It is only until you can come into a relationship with Christ. It is only then you can know who God is. No head knowledge can bring us into such a relationship with God. No schooling, no education, and you heard me say this many times, not even Google or any social media can bring us into the right relationship with a living God. It is until God, Holy Spirit, comes and quicken our heart that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. And Jesus is the one that saves. Jesus is the one that delivers. Jesus is the one that sets free. Jesus is the one that brings us into a right relationship with a living God. And that's what Isaiah saw. Isaiah saw. And he explained and he describes it. He says, Isaiah saw. He saw. He saw the, 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 that God is sitting on a throne. And let me just explain these, these things to you, what he saw. Throne speaks of God's power, a place where he rules, a place where he re reigns. It also speaks of that God is still in control because he still sits upon the throne above all principalities and power, above rulers of darkness above spiritual wickedness the bible says in high places that is why isaiah so not only does he sit on a throne but he is high and lifted up because god is still in control god still has power god is still far above all principalities yes he is high and lifted up he cannot be touched he is greater than any other and every other and not only did he saw God sit on a throne, not only did he saw him high and lifted up, but he saw that the train of God's robe filled the temple. In those days, king wear robes. But when God's robe is so, so long, it's not, a, it's not a short piece of robe where he's going to walk around with. King used to use robe to boast about their power and, and the way they dress. But God robes, the Bible says, when Isaiah saw God robe, it was not just a peace robe, but it's, it filled the temple, the Bible says, speaks of God's power, speaks of God's presence over this earth, that the presence and the power of God still rules over this earth. 
Now I'm not going to take time to go into each one of these things because there's so much that we can draw, but just to shed light of this vision that Isaiah saw and how God explained to him that he is still in control. Then verse 2 says, above it stood, Isaiah says, above God, above all of that stood seraphims. Each one, and these are, these are, these are angel-like beings. There, there's only two places that the Bible speaks of. I think it's two places, but in these places, that these are special angels with special authority. And the Bible describes them, Isaiah describes them, that with, with each one, these seraphims, each one had six wings, and two wings they cover their face, two wings they cover their feet, and with two wings they, they flew. Now, what is the meaning of all of this? And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Above him stood this seraphim. Seraphim means burning one. The Hebrew word is seraph. Mean a kind of serpent, a kind of heavenly being. The two wings cover their face. Speaks of their humility that they were not able to look upon a holy and a righteous God. The Bible says no man can see God and live. It is only through Christ that we're able to come to, to know this living God. And even the angels, they were not able to look upon him. And they covered their feet, meaning that they were not able to stand before him in his holy presence. And none of us can stand in the presence of God unless we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. None of us can come into the presence or come before God unless we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. The same Isaiah said, our righteousness are like filthy rags. All our righteousness. There is nothing that we can bring to God. There is nothing that we have that we can bring to, be, to appease God's wrath upon our lives until we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only do they cover their face, not only do they cover their feet that they can't look upon him, they can't stand in his presence. And with two, they flew. This speaks of their willingness and their readiness to serve the Lord wherever he commands. It is the Lord who commands. It is the Lord who speaks. Can God say about that? About, uh, can we say that about ourselves? Are we too occupied with the cares and the busyness of life that we, we treat God only as a God of Sunday? But are we willing and ready to, be, to, be, to, to go wherever he said to go? Are we willing to surrender to the Lordship of Christ? Are we willing to come before him, not based on our own righteousness, but through the righteousness of Christ? So Isaiah gives us a, a glimpse of what, what the heavenly throne looks like. He gives us a glimpse of what is taking place in worshiping this holy God. And then he says, and each one of them were crying out, holy, holy, holy. Now what does holy, holy, holy mean? Holy, holy means it, it is a trisagion or three times holy. It is the highest note of praise that you can give to God. No one else. There is no other higher note than holy, holy, holy. Holiness of God is an attribute of God. And we serve a holy and a righteous God. It means that God is holy. God is separate from everything else. He cannot be touched with sin because he of his holiness. 
Only a holy God is able to judge sin. Only a holy God is able to address the problem of sin. Only a holy God, brothers and sisters, is able to forgive sin. And only a holy God is able to reconcile man to God. Only is able to reconcile man to himself. And only a holy God is able to make a way, the Bible says, where there seems to be no way. King Uzziah turned his back against God, which, he, which led to his death. Even if all Israel brothers and sisters turn their back and rebel against God, the entire human race is in rebellion against God and against a holy and righteous God. Even, through, even though our world, brothers and sisters, is filled with pain and suffering and death and destruction, in some places there is ongoing crime against humanity. Our world is plagued with all sorts of disease, social injustice, and the list goes on. All of which is the outcome of a fallen world. It's the outcome of sin. The result of sin brings this thing to our world. The result of man's rebellion against a holy God is the result of sin. All these things, though, do not mean that God, that there is no hope for humanity. The earth, the Bible says, is still full of his glory, Isaiah says, in the midst of all that Israel is going through. In the midst of losing their kin, in the midst that they are turning their back against God. Isaiah said, but the whole earth, when he said the whole earth is filled with his glory, God opens Isaiah's eyes to see that he is still God, that he is still on his throne, that he still rules and he still reigns, and that his presence is, on, is in the earth. But brothers and sisters, we all need to look up and see that God is still on his throne and that God is still in control. And before we can know who we are, before you and I can know who we are, we need to first know who God is. Before you and I can come into a right relationship with God and to walk in Him in obedience, it is God who has to make Himself known to us. Isaiah said this in chapter 53 and verse, verse 6, He says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. But, and the Lord has laid on Him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Brothers and sisters, God wants each and every one of us to come into a right relationship with Him. And He made a way for us to know Him. That is through the life, through the death, through the burial, and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. It is only through Christ. And Christ alone that we can come into a right relationship with a holy God. It is Christ who died, it is Christ who raised from the dead, and it is Christ who gave his life for you and for me. And that is, this evening, brothers and sisters, is the meaning of grace. That is the meaning of grace, that Christ came, Christ gave his life, and Christ died for you and me. Grace means God reaches at Christ's expense. God reaches at Christ's expense. He came, he gave his life, and he died for you and me so that you and I can come into a right relationship with a living God, with a holy God. And unless you come to know the Son, there is no other way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, 
not one of the way, but the way to a right relationship with our holy God. And you heard me say this many times. Salvation is by grace alone. Grace alone, it is God's grace through Christ. And it's faith alone. And in Christ alone, there is no other way. So this evening, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to look up to God. Don't look away, but look up to Him and allow Him to open your eyes so that you can see and come to that place of knowing Him for who He is. I trust and pray that you will surrender your heart and surrender your life to Him. Babisa, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways. And he will direct your path. It is until you can come into that right relationship with God, you will never know what is it to be free and what it means to be set free from the power of sin, from the power of death, and from the power of hell. And so I trust and pray this evening as we look to part two of this message next week that God will continue to speak to your heart. And then part three as we come bring it to a close in a couple of weeks. I trust and pray that these words have, have been a blessing to you and to your family. Let us pray. Father, we want to acknowledge you tonight again, Lord, for your goodness and God for your faithfulness as a reminder to us again tonight, God, that you are still in control. There was never a time when you were not. And God, you rule and you reign and your presence still fill the earth. And God, despite all that we may be facing here, God, there is still hope for a lost humanity because you bring that hope to us. There is no other way. And I pray tonight that hearts and lives, God, wherever they are listening, will hear your word and will come to such a knowledge of the truth and surrender their lives and heart to you, Father. We give you praise and give you thanks for those that don't know you, God. I pray that they will surrender their life and bring it in obedience to the Lordship of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.